0: Last few weeks, we've been looking at the subject of being driven. The idea that someone who is driven is someone who has an urgency about them and a determination to succeed. And we've also been looking at the fact that if you are indeed driven, you're not doing the driving. Something or somebody is driving you. It's not self-propelled. Anybody who is really driven always has a driving force. Now, for us, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, it's it's the Holy Spirit. Our lives are are driven by the Holy Spirit, and that's what we've been looking at. The first week, we looked at the idea that we are driven to be uncontrollable, that the Holy Spirit is uncontrollable, and when we are filled with that Spirit, we are uncontrollable as well. The Holy Spirit's unpredictable. and when we looked at that last week, we decided that Unpredictable did not mean irresponsible. But unpredictable really just meant acting in a way that someone else finds unpredictable. We talked about the example where Paul writes to the Romans that if your enemy is hungry, don't do the predictable and let him stay hungry. Do the unpredictable and feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, don't do the predictable and let them die of thirst, but give them something to drink. And if someone persecutes you, persecute you and also do the unpredictable and bless them that's what we were talking about this week as we close out our series we're talking about driven to be irrepressible there's a passage of scripture i want to read to you from mark chapter 12 a teacher of religious law asked jesus which commandment is the greatest and Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one; is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I just want you to file that back somewhere where you can access it here in just a little bit. The first two weeks in our series, we looked at the book of Acts. In Acts, the first chapter, where Jesus told his disciples to go back to the city and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then we looked at Acts chapter 2 last week where the Holy Spirit actually comes at Pentecost. This week, we're going to move down the road a little bit where this uncontrollable and unpredictable spirit has been at work. And we're going to look in Ephesians. Actually, Ephesians chapter 3. In that particular chapter, Paul is praying for the Ephesians, and he realizes that believers and non-believers are much alike uh, on the outside. Just as an example, if you line up 25 people and ask me to tell you, just from looking at them on the outside, which ones are believers in Christ and which ones are not, it would be very difficult for me to tell the difference based on just the outside. The difference lies on the inside, but what we want to look at today is the idea that, yes, we want to change on the inside, but we don't want to keep the inside inside, that that inside needs to come out and show others the love of Christ and show that we belong to Christ by the way that we live. Ephesians chapter 3, we we're going to begin in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus had told his disciples in Acts 1 that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's that power that's going to enable them to be the witnesses in the world he wants them to be. Jesus' ministry is On earth was through the power of the Spirit, and that same Spirit empowers us. When we look at the first part of Paul's prayer, where he talks about God out of His glorious riches, I read a commentary where someone said that really out of His glorious riches is really kind of maybe not strong enough. And what he argues is that it should be not out of, but rather it should be according to the standard of his riches. If a billionaire gives you $10, he's given you a little bit out of this vast wealth that he has. But if a billionaire gives you a million dollars, he's given to you according to or in proportion to the wealth that he has. And that's what this guy was talking about, was the idea that when we talk about receiving something from God's riches, that God doesn't just give us little bits, that God gives us from his abundance and according to his abundance. And he prays that they might be strengthened, the believers might be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. He's praying for them here that they will be strong to overcome resistance, that the spirit that they receive would be a spirit that gives them this dynamic power to live. And then he says he wants the spirit in their inner being, their inner self, their innermost being. But the little word in means to be infused. So, what he's talking about here is that the spirit that comes, this power, this strength, is infused in your inner being to give you the power that you need to live. What is your inner being? Your inner being is capable of a whole lot of things. According to Scripture, your inner being can see, can hear, it can feel, it can be trained, and it can taste. And you're thinking, wait a minute, how can my inner being taste? The psalmist writes, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the inner being also needs to be cleansed. And while the outer being is, is perishing, is dying, Scripture tells us that our inner being, through this great power, is being renewed on a daily basis. Even though the outward is wasting away We are being renewed inside. And what's the result? It is that the result is that Christ may dwell in the believer's heart. Dwell doesn't just refer to the fact that when you accept Christ, uh, he comes into your life. Dwell denotes the idea of settling down. In other words, he's praying that, that he'll settle down, that he'll feel at home at the very center of your being. That's a pretty powerful prayer for him to pray. The idea that God, out of these vast riches, will strengthen you to face anything with this dynamic living power that comes from the Holy Spirit that he's infused in your inner being and that, that Christ comes to dwell to make his home to live in you. That's pretty powerful stuff, that you're infused in your inner being where God works and where God Certainly, Christ comes to live in the believer, but what he's talking about here is not just a surface relationship. He's talking about a deeper and a growing relationship and a deeper, ever widening experience that we have with Christ. Uh, An architect once told me that if you are going to build high, then you need to dig deep. In other words, you have to go deep before you can go high. Otherwise, The building is going to fall over. What he writes about here is the idea, he says, rooted. Think about rooted. A tree that is rooted is stable. Deep roots mean stability. Also, deep roots mean nourishment. That's how a tree gets nourished. So he's saying here, look, I want you to be rooted, deeply rooted. The idea that you will be stable in your relationship, but also that you'll be nourished. That relationship. And then he says he wants you to be established. The idea of a foundation. You need a solid foundation in your life. And he says you'll find it here. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And the tense that he uses, I found this interesting, is the idea that he's talking about a past action with continuing results. In other words, this isn't just a one time deal, it's a past action with continuing results results in the believers. He says, that you may know. He wants you to know something. Actually, the word in English that's used for comprehend and apprehend both come from the same Latin root, and they mean to grasp, to grasp. But here's the difference. The word comprehend carries the idea that, that you're understanding something in your mind. But apprehend means to lay hold of it yourself, to literally grasp it. In other words, people sometimes understand things mentally, but but they're not really able to grasp the concept. And Paul's concern here is that, that these people lay hold, that they apprehend, that they grasp the vast, vast expanses of the love of God, not just to know about it but rather to grasp it and to make it theirs. But it's interesting because he, he says it's, it's limitless. He says it can't be measured. So how in the world can we grasp this vastness that, that he says right here that, that we'll really, in our finite minds, never totally be able to understand? But he says you can lay hold of it, and I believe it's in this sense, that if you can grasp this vast vast expanse of God's love that you'll never have to worry about inadequate resources for the demands of life. If you can grasp it, you will never, ever, ever, ever doubt that you have everything that you need and will have everything that you need to face everything that comes to you in life. There will never be a shortage. Shortage. The prayer here is about strength, spiritual strength. It's about depth. It's about spiritual depth so that you'll be able to get your hands on, to grasp, to apprehend the resources of God's love and grace. And he says that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Certainly the means by which we are filled is the Holy Spirit. That's the driving force in our lives. But the measure that he says is the measure is the fullness of God himself. And it's tragic, I think, when we, a lot of times as Christians, will will measure where we are against another Christian. In other words, I'm here, I'm not perfect, but I'm better off than he is. Or I'm better off than she is. That's not the measure. The measure is the fullness of God. Now, if the fullness of God is limited, is unlimited, if it comes out of these vast resources that God has and if we can can grasp it and if we can be filled with it, what's going to happen? Think about it. Take an empty glass. Put it under the faucet. Turn on the water. Walk away. What's going to happen? Well, the glass is going to fill with water. But what's eventually going to happen if you don't shut off the water? It's going to overflow. As long as that source is coming, that glass is going to continue to overflow. It's irrepressible. You can't stop it. You can't contain it. The only way is if the source dries up. And the idea for us as believers is is this is what God wants from us that we are constantly being filled from a limitless source. And because we are limited, we have a limited capacity, we're just going to overflow. And that source is never going to stop. And we're going to overflow. We're going to become irrepressible. Irrepressible. We can't stop it. No one can stop it. And also no one can contain it more dramatic example and one that doesn't sound real good but we will make it good but if you uh, went upstairs and you flipped the stopper on your tub and you started filling up your bath water uh, when suddenly you got a phone call that you'd been expecting and you answer the phone and you find out that oh this is, this is who I was waiting for and you get to talking to this person and you forget that you left the water running What's going to happen when that tub fills up? It's going to overflow. You can't stop it because it's got this endless source coming into a a limited area. But it's going to overflow. And if it's an upstairs bathroom, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to have ceiling tiles falling and you're going to have water running down the walls and you're going to have your carpet all messed up and it probably will keep going. If you live in an apartment, you will make enemies of your neighbors below. Now, that's in a bad sense. That's in a bad sense. But but here's the thing. When something overflows, it affects everything around it. Everything around it. And the idea for us is when we get so filled With the fullness of God, when we are filled, our limited capacity is being constantly filled with an unlimited source. We can't stop it. We can't control it. We can't contain it. It's going to overflow. And not only is it going to overflow, but it's going to affect everything around us. When you overflow with what God puts into you, you will affect lives around you. You will affect the community around you. You will affect everybody around you. And the more you overflow and the more it spreads out, it's going to affect more and more and more and more. It's irrepressible. You can't stop it. No one can stop it. Unless the source is cut off. And if the source is God, it's limitless. And it's not going to shut off. It's going to keep coming. The overflow, what does it look like? Remember the passage of scripture from Mark? I told you to tuck away back there. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Andrew Miller Has said that believers were to expect that the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit included an all new inner person that was saturated in an irrepressible love for God and neighbor. It overflows as an irrepressible love for God. And for your neighbor. There is an irrepressible orientation of your priorities and of your desires, all the way from what you desired and you wanted to what God wants. It's an irrepressible reorientation. Anger and jealousy and self interest are replaced by an irrepressible sacrificial compassion for people around you. And the transformation becomes an irrepressible testimony. It spreads out. It's an irrepressible testimony of peace and love that changes relationships and changes families and changes communities. What does it really look like? For people who've been told they are worthless. Maybe you've been told you are worthless. Maybe you've heard other people being called worthless. Maybe you have called someone worthless. But for those people who are classified as worthless, this irrepressible spirit of God overflows from us to share a word with those who have been classified as worthless, that they are of infinite worth to God. Infinite worth to God. To those who have been without hope, they're at the end of their rope. They think life has passed them by. They think they have no friends. They think they have no future. For those without hope, the irrepressible spirit overflows from us to tell people and to show people that with God, nothing is ever hopeless. And some of you have a testimony to that in your life. Or maybe you were where someone else is in a hopeless situation. And you know how it works that that overflow came to you and you found hope. Then you need to get filled and overflow. So that others may know that nothing, no situation, nothing is ever hopeless with God. For people who have been held captive and who feel powerless... The irrepressible spirit overflows from us to, to proclaim to everyone that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. For those who are weak, for those either who don't have the strength to resist temptation or, or for those who have just been beaten down and beaten down and beaten down, The irrepressible Spirit overflows from us to show people that, yes, you can have strength through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the only true strength that you're ever going to know comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, which comes to live in us when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. For those who have lost their way, and there are people wandering down the wrong path, and some people who have wandered way down the wrong path. Then the irrepressible spirit overflows in us to shine like a light in the darkness. A light that shines, that scripture says that darkness cannot overcome. There is a light available in our world that darkness cannot overcome. And we are to overflow that irrepressible spirit to shine like a light in the darkness. That can happen if you're driven by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will drive you to be unstoppable. Scripture says you will have power when the Spirit comes upon you. It will drive you to be unpredictable. People won't know you're the same person because everything you do it's unpredictable to them, but in a good way. Instead of reacting like they think you're going to react or they're provoking you to react, you're going to react in a way that shows them the love of Christ. And you're going to be driven to be irrepressible. A limited capacity being that is being filled every single moment with a limitless source of, the Spirit coming and living in us, the source being God's endless supply of love and grace, that we will overflow and be an irrepressible force for the weak and the helpless and the lost and the hopeless and those who have been told they're worthless. I want to challenge you today. If you haven't opened up yourself in your life to that great source that wants to flow in you, do it today. And if you've been filled and your efforts have been just to kind of keep it bottled up inside, it's irrepressible. It will find a way out. So why not let it out so that more can come in, so that more can go out? Let's pray.